But now I'm going to look at showtimes and tickets. Just to, I'm just uh, going to try and see Flynn. it this weekend. What's up, Flynn? Yeah, thanks for interrupting this great preamble, dude, but whatever. Oh, there he goes. Yeah, I'm glad he's gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know you are. You hate that dog. <laughs> no, I don't. I miss him so much. <laughs> and he and he just wants to love you. <laughs> I, I miss that dog so much. Yeah, but my goal is to watch Dune this weekend so I can watch it before you. So that means, <laughs> here's the worst part, the crazy part. It'll be on HBO Wednesday. What? Yeah. I might have to watch it Wednesday just to see on it. HBO? Like watch it on HBO and then be no, like, no, no, okay, no. and then why, when why I go to- you, Why would you not pop your chair with, in the theater and then watch it on HBO? Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, Two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, guys, and welcome back to Drunkenomics, the drinking podcast with the economics problem. In true return to form, yep. I reign over you as your less gracious host, James Goldwater, alongside yes, me. Yes, you do. And back in fine form the VIX at 16.3? The most 16. gracious 3, host. 16.31, you know yes. 16.31. Uh, the more gracious host. You know him. You love him. The irrepressible Aaron Wong. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, I'm just rewarding myself a little bit, you know, because I am back in my normal form again. So, you know, so because I'm in the state of comfort and familiarity, I decided to award myself with this nice jam of scotch called the Aaron Malt. Awesome stuff is amazing. Well, I'm just enjoying my uh, my Kirkland single <laughs> Isla. Malt Isla. Single. Yep. <laughs> yeah, my man from Costco in a single true return to less I mean, gracious form. Yeah, I know. And what a fall from grace. Four weeks strong, and then now here we are. I know. It's 1631. It's, I don't know how to feel about this, guys. Maybe the Fed will start making tapering sounds, and I get to be gracious again for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, start start those sirens to see what happens. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah uh, this is Drunkonomics. So glad you could join us. The drinking podcast, the drinking presentation with economics problem. Hope you have a nice dram of something in front of you, whether it's a whiskey. If it's a beer, hopefully it's a little bit more than a dram. Um, also, if it's a wine or whatever it is, and hopefully you have n- just water in front of you if you're about to drive somewhere. Yeah, as I was say, hopefully um, you're you're waiting with a with an appropriate drink for the appropriate for whatever it is you're about to be doing I mean, while you listen. And, and for you cigar smokers out there, I'll just say this: soda water and cigars, in my opinion, are a great pairing. But anyways, yeah, it's been a pretty wild uh, week, dude. A lot to talk about again. I mean, so much economic data came in, and then and then just so, a lot of interesting economic happenings as well so we've got yeah so uh, so i guess for starters i mean there's i guess the big thing to talk about is the quit reports probably let's start with that the quit reports yeah the 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 big quit from august yeah so apparently august the jolts came in uh job openings labor turnover survey i think is what it stands for <laughs> it came in and it's pretty much showed everybody that uh Everybody quit, like 4.3 million or something 4. like that. 4.3 million, yeah. it was yeah. like that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where Jonah Hill goes like, hey, Paulie, listen, I quit. No, you don't need to call <laughs> my wife. Yeah, like, like, who cares about her? Yeah, yeah so now that's a, that's a- Yeah, maybe 4.3 million people saw a pay stub of 72 grand a month. <laughs> I don't know. I think, there's, I think there's a few factors. I think, I, I really look at the big, at, at, at what I'll call the big quit, um, or August big quit, yeah. is yeah, just a, I think August a few thing, factors yeah. have, have played in. You've got- I think you have people who are looking at jobs that are paying better elsewhere, so they're quitting what they were currently at in, in a post-pandemic world uh, where you can get hired for more money somewhere else, but your current employer isn't going to just give you a raise, even though they're hiring other people well, for more money. Let's look at where the quit report happened, or like where I guess most of the quits were. So yeah. it seems like the vast majority of them were in hospitality and restaurants oh, yeah. and all. It, it looks like that was the vast majority of them. And I feel like it, in my opinion, personally, and speaking, this is someone that left the restaurant bar industry about a year ago. Bartending is a fun job. Don't get me wrong. Love it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's also nice to have health insurance. So, oh, yeah. And, and a steady schedule. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Oh, that's, I think that's a huge amount of people looking at. They're yeah. seeing a steady schedule. They're seeing probably better pay. They're seeing health benefits, doing yeah. other things. Yeah. And so they've quit and gone to do that. Yeah. Another one, and it's that a lot of women have quit. Oh, yeah. Especially in, this, in that same service sector, which I don't want to say is usually women because it's not it's that course, yeah but yeah w- w- women's labor participation has 
has uh-huh. fallen to 57%, which is the lowest rate since 1988. So in 33 years. Yeah. But yeah, and I, 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 did see that, I did see that Yahoo Finance report. But it, it's, uh, it's we're looking that. at increased childcare costs. And then a mm-hmm. lot of the jobs that people used to work either weren't there or they are yeah. telling employees that they, they can no longer work <clears> remotely. And so they'd be like, well, I'm going to quit then because I don't really want to come to the office. Yeah. And then we have some uh, people saying, well, the quit... I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to hear your backlash on this, but apparently one of the things that is driving up the quit numbers is the fact that some companies are mandating vaccines. Sure. I don't know if there's that much merit behind that, but at the same time, I can also understand like some people, some people don't I like the, being forced to have to take. Yeah, no, I, I th- well, I saw that apparently in it was either Seattle or Portland, but a, a, a lot of police officers were going to, are, are planning to resign because they don't, they don't want to get vaccinated. My response kind of, in truth, my response to a lot of these people who were like, well, if I have to get vaccinated to work this job, I don't want to work this job. My response is, well, you don't have to. That's yeah, great. That's you, the thing. You can, you can you can go somewhere else now. Well, and, that, you well, know. and we're seeing now it's a lot of airlines too. A lot of pilots are quitting because of, I don't want to, I don't want to be forced to take this vaccine. Screw that. Right. Yeah. So, and that was the thing with, I can't remember if it's US Airlines or Delta, one of the two um, said, look, we're at 90%. We're happy with that. We're, we're done with the mandate because we don't want any more pilots to quit. So I think it was USA, but I'm not entirely certain. But yeah, regardless, I, I think all those factors thrown into into what's going on this summer, I think has kind of compiled up yeah, see, a, a lot of hospitality see, workers, I think, are just looking for the- yeah, Are leaving, are leaving that industry. They're, and They're looking for the know, greener pastures, if you will. Yeah. You know. Hopefully everyone finds it. It's, that's the thing. It's, I, I hope so too, yeah. But at the same time- between, yeah. you've also got people that you've also got a huge number of people who won't come back to work, who've decided they're not going to come back to work because of costs associated with a big one being childcare. Oh, so yeah. like the, when you look at it, it's like, well, I can work and make this much and then pay blank amount for childcare, or I can just stay home and do the, and do, and take care of the children yeah. myself. And we're roughly the same spot. Yep. One of the arguments yeah. I heard for the big quit was that you've got people who have worked through COVID and who have really, who have really reassessed what their priorities are in life and the, mm-hmm. it used to be that society is now going from a you um you live to work to no I work to live and so I'm going to find a job where I can actually live where I can actually live maybe I'm going to yeah. scale back the um, commitment I'm giving to work so that I can yeah, you, live my life now do some other things maybe yeah you want a job with a little know. more flexibility and yeah. you want to take that trip to Ireland and go visit all those Irish pubs and you know go see yeah, the place wanna, where wanna, the Rolling Stones were founded and all that kind of stuff right yeah so of course yeah so I think so I think you're seeing that. <laughs> You're starting to see that the, this this it's a strong labor market, and so the, so labor is finally starting to do what they people are starting to do what they think is in their own best interest, not necessarily yeah. what they have to do to survive. And so that's so, a I think it's a probably a good thing. Yeah, I mean I I don't know I like I don't like to see the quit numbers that high at the same time you know and I want to give a quick shout out to the I forget who it was that reached out to us in our Discord saying like we're the CNBC for the, uh, the uh, service industry, industry the, CNBC yeah yeah man I love that, that I don't was, know how I feel about that that's a lot of power and responsibility that I don't know I can handle, but either way, I'm flattered you can. for that. You're the, you can, oh, you're okay. the Maybe host. this week I can. Yeah, the VIX is only at 16. So sure. Yeah, maybe I could. I don't know. But either way, uh, yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, it's the service industry that I think that's where the concentration is for the quit report. That's why I say like, it's my encouragement to people that work in the service industry, like managers in the service industry, like treat your staff well treat them like they're creative people listen to their ideas i don't know i think that incentivizes them to stay if you want them to well i mean Uh, the other half of what we're seeing with that big quit from august to those quit numbers is have you have you read anything about striketober well i did see that the film industry guys were on strike they were going to they got a last minute deal well yeah they were about to and yeah that that, so that i think they were and then it was a midnight agreement like they were going to go strike uh, on a strike like the next day and then the uh southwest airlines apparently those employees were going on strike but yeah i did see that yeah no it's 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 this interesting i guess it it pat that's the phrase that's getting thrown around on social media so you've got striketober so the big one i've i've seen and todd brought it up um, but John Deere's, nice. a lot of John Deere's employees went on strike, I think 10,000. Well, yeah. What's going on there? As yeah. of the 14th, they went on strike, 10,000 employees went on strike. Oh yeah. And, and that's when you made that comment saying like, oh yeah, well, look at, that's why the stock price is up is because they don't have to pay people. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I joke, and I only jokingly say that, like, right. why I, would, obviously yeah. it shouldn't be up. No, but, rationally it makes no sense, but short term it's like, well, they're cutting back on a lot of costs. Yeah. But so then, I, I guess yeah, what the, they, the cost what they, of them cutting back on their costs is their operations, which 
you know, is there ROI isn't there. Yeah, so. so I guess October 1st, the contract between John Deere and its union employees expired. They agreed to a temporary extension for negotiations as they negotiated the new contract. Oh, On October yeah. 10th, 90% of the of the members of that union voted to go on strike. So I know they wanted, they wanted more money. Well, I think they're, what they're Um, also seeing is, you know, wage inflation where Amazon is going around hiring people, Pepsi, whoever else is going around hiring people saying, Hey, Hey, we'll pay $30 an hour. We'll do tuition assistance, benefits, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Walmart, Walmart's paying, Walmart's going to pay for college apparently. Yeah. There you go. And then employees. Um, Yeah. And then Chick-fil-A is going to do that too. So so the UAW, they're, they're striking, they're picketing. They want higher wages, pensions for new hire, and then a removal of the two tier system. Like whatever that is. I don't know what, I don't know what that is either. I I don't really care to get into Um, it because it's very, sounds like it's a John Deere specific thing, but you know, it sounds scary to an extent, but for the most part, until it gets to that point, it's a good thing, in my opinion. But I mean, this is like a power to the workers kind of, you know, what we're seeing this year with all these job openings and all that kind of stuff. It's really a power to the workers kind of thing. Like workers can demand higher pay. They can demand yep. better benefits and more flexibility and whatever workers want to do. It's workers market now. And these yep. big companies that are like, dude, we're creating jobs. What's going on? And it's like, well, do you want to be operational? Like, do you want people to do this stuff? for? Like, do you want people to put things on the shelves at your warehouses for you and organize all this kind of stuff for you? Stuff that you obviously don't really want to do that you're willing to pay someone 50000 to $80,000 a year to do and give them benefits. So the workers' cards there are on the table. And let's see what you got. Let's let's see what I mean. This is what you need to beat them. Yeah. And so if, yeah. If you don't got it, then sorry. But yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, speaking of which, yeah, this goes kind of into the whole supply chain thing because obviously, you know, what's a big part was, of supply uh, chain a, labor? A, a lot of so a lot of farmers have to be worried and nervous about oh yeah whether or not equipment that they've ordered or or yeah whether, and, or they're, they're going to be able to get parts, which doesn't help that yeah John Deere's also facing kind of litigation in the in the right to repair litigation. Oh yeah, exactly. So, you know, yeah. I'll be honest. I'd, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just uh, this kind of pebble in the shoe, if you want to call it that, is just kind of, it's one of those things where it's like, man, you know, what else can slow down and really squeeze out the supply chain that is mm-hmm. already really tight and it was squeezed already, out? Yeah. You know, in some trouble, let's put it that way. Yeah. So, John, you're being hurt. You know, this is a company that also uses a lot of raw materials as well to, to manufacture. Or at least they, I don't know if they use. I don't. I, I don't know anything about their product line or anything like that. But I mean, just look at a tractor. I mean, think about how many raw materials, steel, uranium, or whatever they need. Maybe I don't. Whatever. Whatever chips. What I mean, there's a bunch of different components that go into that thing. Oh yeah. I and, mean, the, the, the what a tractor. Like I've looked at like the John Deere tractors now versus the John Deere tra- like the tractors that the, I mean, my, my there's so much family more te- has technologically Holy advanced. Cow. It's yeah. Yeah, these these tractors are insane now. Um, so mm-hmm. there's the supply chain on one side where they're demanding more parts, uh, things like steel, copper, whatever it is that they need to actually yep. make the tractor. On the other side, too, you know, think about what people use these tractors for, right? Farming, like you said. So it, it's a big, I guess, segment in the supply chain, which is also already struggling. I mean, we're seeing numbers from the Associated Press. Industrial production fell by 1.3% in September because of the whole hurricane thing. Oh, yeah. Consumer prices are surging. Energy costs are expected to surge. I mean, this Energy is Energy costs are expected Inflation. to surge going into winter. Uh, yeah. On exactly. top of, you know, so, already surging prices in Europe because yeah. they can't move it from ports or storage facilities to, to the public. Yeah. In, I mean, dude, I mean, uh, oil hit, I think, $83 a barrel today. I don't know what it closed at, but it hit around $83 a barrel today. And today is, uh, you know, Monday, October 18th in the year of our Lord. Yeah, I mean, these prices are insane right now. And I think it's just, I think everything is screaming at one inflation and two, just the tightness in our supply chain. Yeah, it's, and, it's our, our supply chain currently isn't able to, it, it cannot keep up. With increased demand, so the the big thing is people stayed home and they've ordered more stuff. So there's there's increased demand. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a two sided coin. People stayed home and didn't work. Yeah, and then when they wanted to go back to work, they didn't want to do what they were previously doing. They oh, didn't yeah. like that routine. I've been looking at the port data: Los Angeles, yeah. Long Beach. Savannah, Georgia. And historically, I've been looking at Savannah and going, that doesn't seem like they're too backed up. Well, they finally, the Port of Savannah finally did admit that they they can't keep up uh, and that they they are hiring people daily and they are still... It's yeah. it's problem. They're having problems. So they're able to unload well, the boats, but they're not able to... Honest with you, I think 
the way to loosen those bottlenecks is you got to incentivize people to actually go do those jobs. And how do you do that? Well, you got to pay them more. Well, so, yeah, money helps. I was yeah, gonna say it's- that, and not to mention just the the raw thing that you're trying to bring in costs more money now. So, yep. um, I don't know. Like, is that an inflation tale or is that like an actual? I think this is demand pull. It's just demand pull. So you're not demand. It, so it's not an inflation tail at all, or is it just like there's a, maybe there's it's a, a little f- bit inflation? It's, it's going to you know it, because obviously inflation will be the output, but I don't think it's being driven. I don't think it's initially being driven by inflation. Hmm. I I believe it's initially being driven by an increase in demand and a either decrease in or a static supply of labor capable of doing the work, right? So yeah. commercial truck drivers, longshoremen, yeah, uh, commercial truck drivers with um the required hazmat and other status permits. Yeah. So if no, that's and- not changing, then suddenly you've got this huge demand spike. Yeah. Well, when demand shoots up and supply stays the same, price goes up. Well, this is the thing is uh, I'm going to do something that I rarely ever do. And uh, I'm actually going to agree with you on that. So Whoa. yeah, I think, I mean, <laughs> I know <laughs> inflation's next. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You and I agree on like whiskey things yeah. and stuff like that and how old fashioned should be made, but stuff like this, we hardly mm-hmm. ever agree, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Inflation is next. And I think it's inflation just, will be feeding know, into it by July of next yeah. year. But I think it's, but, I think inflation has already started because of the bottlenecks in the supply chain that started a year ago. I mean, this I think like, so inflation got set off. I th- I'd say by a few things and it's, to me, it's on the one hand in the United States, seven hundred thousand people have died across all age groups, and that's and that's between well, that's just COVID you know, related of COVID related deaths. So, so then there's the regular like, number. That's, yeah. that's not the finite number. So then there's seven hundred thousand people that died from co you know COVID related deaths. There's the normal what one point three million something that die yeah, the, a year, the, whatever the, it is. There's the mortality rate. The normal yeah. mortality plus seven hundred thousand, and then last year, what was it? Two point three million people just retired. So so really, yeah, three about, million it, people have. Have left the workforce one way or what another. About all the people that graduated college in the spring, summer, and fall, right? So you got to add those, and then mm-hmm. the people that uh, that left the army or whatever it was and came back and started working for work. But then again, it was yeah. also in the middle of the pandemic. So like those people, people that graduated high school that really weren't that didn't have the mindset on college, and people that graduated from trade schools. I mean, I don't know. Does it offset? I don't think so. All I, the I people think, that I got think, fired. Yeah. And then also last year, think about all the people that got furloughed. So furloughed, fire, uh, furloughed, made redundant, whatever it was, um, laid off is the big one. Yeah. Well, suddenly these people, when, as the markets are reopening, I, I can tell you this, if I got, if a company's loyalty to me was essentially boiled down to, hey, the markets just went down. And so you're actually getting laid off. You're losing your benefits, your salary, everything else. Good luck with the crisis. I would probably not go work for them again. Of course not. So I don't know how often that happened, but I think a lot of companies also are just like, hey, look, the markets are down. We have no idea what's going to happen. So like, we have to do this. Like on the company's perspective too, and I'm not a big corporate sympathizer, believe me. I mean, it was, it, um, it was the legitimate but, capitalist response. That's what I'm saying is one, it was the legitimate capital response, but at the same, at the same time, like a lot of small businesses were like, look, we can't stay afloat if we keep paying you. So like- please accept this being laid off yeah. or being fur- furloughed because we just can't stay open. Absolutely. And, then, and, and a lot of people did actually not stay open. So the big thing to me, I guess, is you have a, you have a, a corporate culture that for a very long time has insisted that employees do more with less yeah. And between the big quit strike over everything else, you're seeing employees just turning around to corporations and going. Well, yeah, no. and that's what I'm saying is I think now we're seeing this, uh, you know, like back then it used to be when I say back then, I mean, two years ago before COVID, it was corporations going like, if you say no, we'll just replace you. You're pretty, you're pretty replaceable. You're pretty replaceable. Yeah. So sorry. Bye. But now it's just like, no, you're not replaceable because you know, going out, finding someone like you and training them is just going to be a hassle right now, you know, and we don't know if we find someone and train them and pay them money to train them, if they're actually going to like what they want to do. So yeah, so it's, it's yeah a- I just thought that was, I, I thought that was pretty extraordinary. Um, and you, you take those numbers and you compare it with the jobless claims, they fell below 300,000, which I don't think really I mean, jobless claims versus quit reports, not related. Yeah, right? no. So, so quit reports are essentially people have quit a job yeah. of their own will. Like that is I'm out, I'm going somewhere else yeah. or I'm just leaving. I'm, you know, uh, jobless it's, claims it's are the, when a company goes up to you and says, Hey, you messed up or Hey, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, job, a jobless claim is you have been, you are no longer working for an employer. 
not of your choice, right? So you are you were laid off, you were right. whatever it is. Yeah, you got cut as a quit you, is. Got, you got cut from the Arizona Cardinals because they're the best yeah. team in the NFL. So Oof. they're undefeated still. All right, I just, I shameless plug. All right. Yeah, you had to get it in somewhere. I, I, I'm sorry, um, I, I was trying really hard. I was looking for an angle the whole time. I know. So no, so but yeah. that's but there, I mean, and this is all happening at a time when if you people have reass like I said, people have reassessed what they want, what they're willing to do, and how much they're willing to be paid to do it, and. Companies aren't going to like it, but they're going to have to pay people more. That's what it's, and that's what that's the big thing it's yeah. boiling down to. Fair enough. to. Pay people more, and when someone turns around and says, "I want to use my vacation," the company can't be like, "Oh, but we have this really big product." I'm sorry. Part of my benefits is to use this vacation. I'm going to use it. Yeah. Part of my benefits package is I get to when I'm not feeling well, I get to take a sick day, not yeah. show up sick. I'm going to use it. Right. For a long time, companies have expected loyalty from their employees, and not in every case, but without necessarily having had sh shown it in return to the employee. I think that is going away. I think I think there's now an expectation of well, yeah, one between the millennial generation, which you know, my shameless plug is has had to bail out the U.S. economy oh, twice. Nice. Okay. Before we're wow. third, but you know, before we're forty, we've had you to bail what? it out twice because of its. That's two shameless plugs right there that they both warrant a drink. So I'll, I'll cheers to that. All right. But yeah, and then and then you have a generation behind us that I think has grown up with a similar point of view. I, I think, yeah, I think you're going to have to see some actual corporate responsibility. And yeah. so well, the triple bottom line, as we were taught in accounting classes, as okay. opposed to just the bottom okay. line. Okay, yeah, there's a third shameless plug right there, accounting class. All right, congratulations, yeah. you passed. Well, I'll say this. In the last about, I would probably say 10 years, you're starting to see a lot of companies really focus on yeah. you know, corporate culture. That was something that when I was getting recruited to play college golf, that was something that was like, how's the culture? Oh, yeah, it's huge. How, how's the culture of the school? Right? How's the culture of the team? How does the team get along? And all that kind of stuff. And, and, and everybody that was telling me that it was like, it applies in the professional world. How's the culture of the actual company that you're going to work for? And I think all of that is just, I don't want to say, I don't want to accuse corporations of saying that this is a Hail Mary for them to keep people happy. Uh, but I think it is. I really ultimately what it comes down to is I think, you know, if you see right through it, oh, yeah. probably it's, it's, probably it's there to keep people happy and, you know, make them feel like they, they owe a sense of loyalty to this awesome corporation that has a great company culture. Yeah, well, I would, I would, so, I would say if you look at it, you'll find, I think that um, a lot of companies that are not having problems finding employees have done one of a few things. They're either paying more. Or they have a culture where the corporation does, where where the incent, where they have incentivized their employees and aligned yeah. them with the company, right? So, exactly. through stock options versus yeah. you're going to make nine dollars, well, pay time off, yeah, yeah PTO, it's PTO, sick days. Uh, parental leave, yeah, you know, all flexibility, of the flex schedules. Yeah, so all if you want to go to the gym during your lunch hour and you have two hours to go get to go to the gym and get lunch, go do it, right? Like you know, honestly, that'd be cool. So if companies started to allow that, as long as you get your work done, you yeah, can do whatever that, you want. That kind of that that view essentially of doesn't matter as long as the work gets done. We don't necessarily care yeah. if you dip out at four exactly on Friday. Right. Yeah. You know? So yeah. With that said, uh, I want to touch on a couple of things real quick. Moving into retail sales number, they're actually up in September, which I thought was pretty surprising. The stock markets apparently had no idea um, because they're reacting to that now. They're like, oh my God, retail sales numbers are great. So let's bring the VIX from 20 back down to 16. Almost, because, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, at one point it was below 16 for a little bit. That was really um, weird. I was uncomfortable. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I was thinking of you. Yeah. Not really. I, I was just kind of happy I, that I'm back in my normal I saw it, I saw it for just a second. As people um, in Discord saw my reaction to the VIX dropping below 16. Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> no. Yeah. When I saw it, I, um, when I saw that it was below 16, I, I looked at it and I went, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. That that shouldn't be like for this in the same way that I'm like, it shouldn't, you know, John Deere shouldn't be up in my opinion. Looking well, at the VIX under, under 16, was, I was like, that really shouldn't be happening right now either. Well, it was around the same time. Let's say this. It was around the same time the Fed said that they're going to begin their tapering process by mid-November. A yeah. gradual tapering process by mid-November. So that's, I think, the market's reacted well to that. Why? I don't know. I, I, th um, I think that a lot of major investment groups know that the tapering needs to happen. Yeah. And I think that as they look at this, so, they're like, okay... Let's see what tapering schedule they're going to go with. Because I, I was reading it's, something earlier. It seems like it's really, the they old were, tapering schedule they announced earlier. This gradual tapering schedule that we're going to do in 2023, and then it became 2022, and then now it's Feb and now it's November. Now it's next month. So it's and it's the same, maybe 25 basis points this quarter, 
and we'll see what happens. But for the most part, we're, we're not anticipating a major, you know, a major I thing think, like that. Yeah, yeah like and, a 100 basis point increase over the course I of think, a year. I think what so, most, I think most major investment groups have priced in the idea that the Fed will keep rates too low too long. I think that's what they're looking at I th- right now. I think they have too. And that's what we're seeing is, uh, at least like based off of some expert opinions, yeah, we're seeing that yeah. investors apparently have expected and priced in the fact that the Fed and the ECB and you know other central banks out there are going to keep rates really low for a long time. And I think the reason why the markets are so high right now, and, and you know at least up until today, today was a pretty flat day, but some indices were up, some indices were down. But today was a pretty flat day. Uh, but markets were up at the end of the week last week. And I think it was just them going like, hey, look, if there's going to be an inflation hedge, this is a stock market. So this kind of leads Absolutely. right into like our main topic of the night, which is hedging. And what does what hedging mean? Yeah. Why have we said but, it so many times? We're not, yeah. bo- we're, we're not, you know, botanists. We're not out here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're not, not to, we're not, not we're, we're not clipping bushes. The, not to be confused with the botanist, lovely gin. Great gin. Um, uh, if you like gin, <laughs> which I'm, 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 I'm like, I'll admit I'm warming up to. So Max, if you're out there, I'm warming up to gin. I'm, so. uh, I had a, I had a botanist martini last night. Actually, no, I had an oh, Oxley martini really last night. I'm oh, sorry. Botanist, I made a botan- is, is it the Isle dry? It is. Uh, it is the Isle, Isle dry. Yeah, gosh. I made, a, I made a botanist cocktail. And as I was tasting it and, and making it, I was like, this is actually, this actually went really nicely. So it's probably my favorite gin. Not that I like gins very much, but that's, if I had to pick one, that'd probably be my favorite. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of hedges. Yeah. But real quick, uh, in case people are wondering what does tapering mean, because we say tapering all the time, tapering just means slowing down the velocity of money, I think is the, probably the fastest way yeah, to, to describe that, is, pun intended. The easiest way. Yeah. It means that what the, Fed, the Fed's going to start closing more of its lending programs. It's going to stop buying assets at the same rate. It essentially yes. is going to, it's going to stop propping up the market. It's essentially, it's going to slowly take the safety, the safety wheels off the bicycle. Right, exactly. And just say like, hey, look, uh, you can't borrow for free anymore because we're not borrowing for free uh, or we're not lending for free. We're not going to lend for free. Right. Sorry. Yes, that's what I meant. Okay. The Scots are starting to get to me now. Yeah, essentially, okay, so just, they're going to slow yeah. down the printing of money. That's what it boils <laughs> okay. down to. Well, Okay, yeah, you could say printing of money, but uh, the borrowing of money, almost the same thing. <laughs> it's going to go from to yeah. just a little yeah, slower. Just, just, just a tad slower. Uh, but yeah, going back into hedging, uh, let's start by like defining the word hedge. And I don't mean it in the financial sense. I mean just like the word hedge. So a hedge is a plant that you yes. usually put on a border of a property between two things. And... We're kidding. Yeah. We're we're not a botany podcast. We're not here to talk about plants. We're not a botany um, podcast with an economics problem. We're a drinking podcast with an economics problem. Yeah, we're not a dr- yeah. and we're not a drinking so. podcast with a botany problem either. Yeah. I do not have a green thumb. <laughs> I don't think I could plant a hedge and have it live. Yeah. I think you and I also have that one thing in common as well. Yeah, that, well, you know. yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't, maybe I don't have any green thumbs. thumbs. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So the I, I guess the easiest way to talk about a hedge the way we talk about them is it's that it's a it is an investment made to reduce the risk of a, of an adverse yes. price change 100%. to another inv- to another investment or asset yes. you've made, right? So yes. in, in the simplest terms, we've talked about options. Options can be a type of hedge. That's mainly what they're there here's for. Kind of the easiest for the most way to, part. The easiest way I'll talk about what a hedge is, is think of insurance on well, a house. I'll say this. Insurance is a great word for it. If you want to get complicated, you can say swaps. But another thing that yes. I like to say too is in the simplest of terms, when they use the word hedge, when I was studying for my series seven was anytime you hear the word hedge, think of protect. Exactly. So, protect against yes, when you, something. So when you buy a stock, how do you protect yourself against the stock going down? You hedge it. How do you hedge it? You could buy options. You could buy, or, uh, or you could buy a security that is expected to react right. in an inverse way, but that might cover your loss. So Yeah. So like if you buy you know, an index ETF, you can buy a short index ETF to hedge yourself. That just, that wouldn't make that much sense to be honest with you, but that's a way to hedge, right? Like you can buy, you can go long, a a long ETF and a short ETF, even though that would not make very much sense because there's like no Delta there. A big big one you'll notice or you've almost always heard is that 
when inflation and other things start to go up, you, you've seen the guys on TV trying to sell you gold or sell you silver. It's a great hedge against inflation, they say. Yeah, but we all know the number one hedge against inflation is the stock is the actual it's just the, the stock, stock market. market. It's yeah, because it appreciates at eight percent a year on average. If you just take the S and P five hundred, which rotates in and out, I mean the S and P five hundred is never the same five hundred stocks for more than two months. So, mm-hmm. but historically, it's always been the best hedge against inflation because it grows at eight percent a year, whereas inflation, unless it's this year, grows at around two to three percent a year. Uh, this year yeah. it's at five point four percent. My well, God, it, it's a it's been a year. I think yeah. what we really have to look at is last year, though, to make our fair comparison. But I digest. And yes, I did that on purpose. You digest because because you're drinking that Kirkland's less gracious host whiskey. I prefer to think of it as <laughs> I lay scotch. Okay, fair enough. Well, tomato, tomato. Uh, James, but yeah, um, so we're we're just gonna have to start. We're gonna have to start a cocktail book. And it's going to have less gracious cocktails, more gracious cocktails by each of us. It's well, just it's literally, be- oh, okay. Well, so this is the thing is it's going to be like old fashioned. Let's make an old fashioned. And then if you're feeling more gracious, we'll use a rye like High West or Michter's or whatever it is. And then if you're feeling less gracious, we'll use old overhaul. No, no, I love old overhaul. So do I. Old, but I'm less gracious like, more often. Okay. But I, okay. But that's a, no, a less gracious rye would be like. Now, even if you're not that gracious, a bullet, I don't think you deserve bullet. No. Bullet is, I think, probably the worst fry on the planet. I'm not going to lie. I hate to just throw yeah, I was going to see, so for me, if I was going to build a more gracious or a less gracious, my more gracious would be maybe Pendleton Midnight. Dude, whoa. Okay, that's extremely gracious. Like the VIX would have to be at 40 for you to kind of to oh, throw yeah. that in there. Like that's at around 20. At around 20, I might well, put it use to midnight. And- oh, sorry, the midnight. Never mind. Okay, oh, I thought you were talking about the 1912. Okay, no, no, never no. mind. Yeah. 1912 is like, that's when that's, it's that's at 40. That's when the VIX is at 40. Yeah. Midnight is like when 20. The VIX is at, yeah, not even probably. I mean, it's an excellent rye. Don't get me and wrong. At like 30, I want to but- use an Eli Craig. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's okay. bourbon, uh, so I so no, I admit I, that that's a different. Yeah, and I'm very anti bourbon man hands. I'm I'm very much rye, but but if you really want to hedge that old fashioned, I'm, really, I'm a rye I, for old fashioned and man hands. It's got to be rye. I I feel your but, pain. Yeah, but, but to hedge that, uh, just make sure you get the right bitters and uh, and do it with sugar, not simple syrup. Uh, absolutely, you hedge your liquor against yeah. your other ingredients. You can come out ahead. Yeah, exactly. So. Back to like what hedge funds do, because I, I think that's kind of the best way to describe what how hedging works is like the tech sector, for instance. Uh, what a hedge fund will do is they'll, they'll go long a position. So they'll buy shares of, I'm trying to think of a tech company, but I can't think of it. Okay, so they'll buy shares of Apple. They'll short shares of Google. You know, they'll see the beta of the stocks is this and this, yeah. right? So if the market goes up, their position will go up as much as, accordingly. And if the market goes down, it'll go down accordingly to that beta or whatever it is. And I, I don't know all the ways that they calculate risk. Yeah, it's just so basically everything at once. In a hedge fund, like if the if the markets go up, their Apple position that they're long will make money. But if the markets go down, their short Google position will also make money as well. And when they execute, um, and when if they have to sell, if they have to dump out of Apple, or they decide to dump out of Apple, the gain from the short should cover that loss right. at least. Or cover enough of it that you can say, well, we didn't lose a huge amount, so it's not like it's a major deal. It's it's yeah. the um, the premise of like, if we want to use like the farming analogy, if you grow yeah. one thing and one thing only on your farm and all your fields, you're very yeah. exposed. If it rains too much, doesn't rain enough, the weather goes bad, if there's some that sort of insect thing, problem yeah. on that one thing. But if you grow two or three things, well, if one of them fails, you still have other things to Right. So I guess like it's, it's you're yeah. trying to limit your downside of, of doing an all or no, it, a hedge is pre- it prevents you from being all or nothing. Exactly. It, it allows you to say like, OK, you know, say, say we're going to use our Apple. Let's use our Apple uh, Google, Google analogy. Yeah. Apple today, the 18th of uh, October. They did pretty well. Yeah. They were announcing new products there. Remember, they were announcing their new laptop, yep. their new earpods, whatever. They were announcing a bunch of new products. Well, if you're yeah. sitting here and you're going, these products, they're going to be good. But they can't make them because there's not enough supply partner. chain issues. There's yeah. Supply chain issues. Whatever. Maybe you say, okay, I I want to, mm-hmm. you know, I want to buy Apple for the announcement. But if in the announcement we expect them to say that they're going to make a that there's going to be supply chain issues, so they won't be here for six months, I might buy Google as well, a, a small amount of Google, so that if that, uh, you know, if that announcement gets made, and my Apple goes down and Google goes up. 
because that's the expected reaction. I'm I, that's the reaction I'm expecting. I can yeah. dump out of Google, or I'm sorry, dump out of uh, sell both positions and use my gains in Google to cover my losses in Apple. Yeah, and there's a bunch of different ways you can hedge, right? So like, if you buy Apple, but you're worried about supply chain issues, and you're like, what companies can I buy with tightening supply chains? You know, that will squeeze profit margins up. Um, you know, and then you can go look at, um, I don't know, maybe I'll buy a copper ETF because these chips use a lot of copper, uh, profit margins in copper are going up and this is all hypotheticals. So don't actually like yeah. go buy copper ETFs because you think this is actually going to happen and you're going to make a lot of money. Well, I copper's don't kind of, um, like copper's been hurting. It has. So there you go. Right. So what I'm trying to say is like, I, like we, we don't know. Right. But because you don't know, you hedge. So yeah. you buy Apple and you're like, well, the, the supply chain concerns me. So you buy another stock that, you know, profit margins for Apple will go down, but profit margins for this company will go up because of the tightening supply chain. So maybe you um, buy shares right. in Apple and at the same time you buy shares. Taiwan Semis, right? So yeah. because they have to charge more for for their components that Apple is buying. So Apple is buying from Taiwan semis or NVIDIA, or I don't know who they buy their semis from, but whoever they're buying their semis from, it's like those guys are charging more because everybody's willing to pay more. So Apple's got to meet those demand costs. You know, your Apple stock might go down because the profit margins on just Apple are probably going to be slimmer. Like your Taiwan semiconductors will be up. Yeah. Your Intel would be up. Yeah. Or Intel or NVIDIA or whatever it is. And this is all hypotheticals. So like, like I said, don't like, don't go long these stocks just because of the scenario I said, I don't know if these... Yeah, these, these are just, these are just examples. True. This isn't financial advice. Yeah. Like, this is- yeah, exactly. And not to mention all the supply chain issues, they're probably all already priced in. So Yeah, so another thing um, you might do then is to, to hedge against that is you might invest in the actual shipping companies. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, they're, they have to pay their workers a lot of money. So how do you hedge against that, right? So, I mean, the, the list goes on and costs? on. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it goes on and on. How do you hedge against this? How do you, how do you hedge against that? Okay, they're paying their employees um, more. Well, if their employees have more money, they're going to buy more stuff. So maybe you have to buy Amazon then to cover the hedge on, on employees. Right. They're going to spend because Amazon. Yeah, or maybe they're anti-Amazon. So you, you long you go into, Lowe's you go or into, TJX or whatever You go is, into right? Firestone Walker because that's a, right. that's a brewery out of California. And you're like, well, these longshoremen probably want a beer after work. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different ways to hedge. You can hedge by going long another stock. You can hedge by going short another stock. When it comes to hedging with options, it's basically... If you buy stock, let's say I buy Apple at $100, even though it's nowhere near $100, but let's just say I buy Apple at $100 mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my God, I'm worried that I'm going to lose more than $5 a share on the stock. So what you could do is you could sell a cover call against it, lower your cost basis, right? So if you sell a cover call, what happens, right? I sell you a cover call. If it expires in the money, James, I have to and sell exercise, you. which and, we imagine I would. Yeah. And normally speaking, if they expire in the money, they automatically exercise. But yeah, if they, let's just say I sold you a 105 Apple call option and it expires in the money. Now I got to sell you Apple stock for $105, no matter what the stock is, right? So the stock in the time we made this agreement to the time it expired, let's just say in that month, the stock went to 150 I got to sell you $150 stock for $105, which you'd be, hap- yeah. you'd be happy to buy. I'd love that. I'd love that discount. Yeah. Uh, but I already own it. So it's like I'm losing money and I bought it for $100. So I'm not too upset about it. I'm a little bit upset about missing the $45 per share profit, but yep. uh, I'm assuming that you paid me some premium, you know, so, so I not sell a complete you this- loss for you. Yeah. It's not a complete loss for me. I still made five bucks a share, even though- And then maybe $6 you know, in premiums. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, if it doesn't, what I get to do is I get to keep your premium. The $6 I paid. Yeah. To- and the cost basis now per share for Apple is now $94 a share, which is not, not bad, right? So that's not a bad way to look at it too. You could sell cover calls as a hedge just to lower your cost basis. And another thing that you could do is you could buy puts and you mm-hmm. could sell a cover call to finance your puts. So, you know, if you buy a put option at a $95 strike price, basically what that means is you own Apple. You bought it for a hundred bucks. You buy an eighty-five dollar put option for five bucks or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Now the most you can lose per share until expiration date is ten dollars a share. That's the absolute most you can lose. Because you have the because you have stock. the right to buy. You have the right sell to exercise right to, at ninety. Well, you have the right to sell it at ninety-five. You paid five bucks for it, so that's why it's ninety dollars yeah. a share. But right? you have the right to yeah. you have the right to exercise that option. Or if, if it's if the price is well and truly below that that put that you bought. You could just buy on the open market and be like, well, they wouldn't be exercising well, with you. I mean, Their honestly, you could just buy. buy the open market and then exercise your put and then sell and then sell out at 90 yeah. bu- or 95 bucks. Right? Exactly. So, and that, that's, that, I'm sorry. That's what yeah. I meant. I, I went 
the no, wrong no, way. no. What you said was absolutely correct. Like if, it, dude, if you bought at a hundred dollars and the stock goes down to sixty, but you have a ninety-five dollar put option, it's like you can just buy it again at sixty, sell it for ninety-five bucks, and just be like, okay, and well, pocket that difference. Just, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, and I'm sure that's happened several times where someone buys a put option on a certain stock. And they see that stock falling like crazy and they just go ahead and, okay, I'll just go ahead and buy the stock right now, right? Because the stock is falling. It's my, my option is in the money. I'm going to go ahead and buy the stock. And when I exercise, I can just short it. I can short it and zero out my position at this price. Like, Absolutely. Secure my profits. But yeah, that's basically what hedging is. It's, it's a way you can protect yourself from any sort of exposure to a certain position, whether it's a stock, ETF, a certain... A whole, a whole nation, a currency, anything you can hedge. Against. Oh yeah, you I mean forex currencies yeah. happens all the time. That's why you're. Yeah, I mean if you looked at the currencies of Turkey and uh, oh, who else was it that absolutely bottomed out last week? Turkey was one of them. It was, last is, week, South oh. Korea. Yeah, the the won, the South Korean won is no kidding. Is, was nose diving wow. too, and it's um. But their argument is is that the um, yeah well. Is, is it South Korea is kind of, is it all of these Forexes? It's Forexes. the Forexes of two countries that are resource poor. So they're not, oh, gotcha. they're, yeah. they don't have raw materials to sell. In fact, what they, they're the, they're the middle guy that takes raw materials and converts them into high end products oh, because dang. of supply yeah. chain issue. Well, that's South Korea. I think Turkey's got some yeah, other Turkey's issues. Turkey's got a bunch of issues. Especially with their banking, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but like, well, yeah. Well, I mean, and Godspeed. Well, they're sent with their central but, bank, I should say. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they're, which we'll they're, get into that later. But like, I mean, I'm just saying like there's futures contracts on Forex, which is insanely levered, but you can use it. I guess you can really use it to protect yourself from an upheaval, an upheaval. in a certain nation's currency or economy, uh, which George Soros did for Greece and for UK back in the 90s. And yeah. he made a ton of money off of it. Generally speaking, if these positions, like, they're very risky, but if you're covered on the backside, right? The risk is finite. Yeah, the risk, you're going to be fine. And that's pretty much what hedging does. It's like, you know what? This is the most you can lose by taking on this position. No matter what, this is the most you can lose. You yeah. can still gain an infinite amount, but this is the most you can lose. Yeah, we, we, so, I know we talked last year about bull put spreads. Yeah. Specifically, we talked about that because of uh, some things that were in the news, some things that were oh, happening yeah. in the browse, something that happened at, at UNL. Close to home, It was yeah. a little close to home, but that's just one type of hedge. So that's one way to hedge. Yeah. Is options are so many different ways you can hedge. I mean, options, see, I, any sort of derivatives, uh, like futures are the same. Yeah. Yeah. Any and all derivatives are just hedges against uncertainty. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be downside. It's a way to protect against an adverse change in the value of whatever you're dealing with yeah so maybe that so you buy you, that oil, the price yeah, going buy, up yes yeah, so you buy a futures contract on oil so you don't have to pay more than 80 dollars a barrel for oil as a form of hedging absolutely you buy a put option on apple or bank of america or whatever it is because you just went long the stock and you're worried that earnings you know, aren't going to be as good as you think yeah uh and if they suck and you have a put option it's like okay well i have i bought the right to sell it at this price so i can exercise that right because it's hasn't expired yet so yeah, I mean, there's there's just several different ways you can hedge. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, there's absolutely I mean, there's, there's too many. But you and I just kind of laid out like the the most basic ways you yeah, can the most hedge. Basic kind of some very yeah. simple strategies, and then why it gets used. So that's that's yeah. the entire premise of hedging. And mm -hmm. yeah, so it's it's not like we've yeah. taken up the hobby of gardening. Yes, guys, I promise. Yeah. I don't have any green thumbs. But real quick, I want to tie about this conversation because uh, I'm done with my scotch. Or yeah, pick that plural scotches. I was gonna say I'm down to I'm down to seasoned ice. Oh, I actually do have a little bit left. I just wanted to make sure that by the time I, the I mics are not, off, yeah, I'm less gracious, so I don't have time to think oh. ahead and, and carry <laughs> okay. this episode through with grace. That's completely to... justifiable. But two things: one, uh, apparently Jerome Powell is under investigation because he made some trades, which kind of follows up some of the things that we talked about last week. Yep. Because of the whole conflict of interest thing, I personally think it's weird that Fed chairmans are are, are trading I, during their know, tenure. It's, if it's, it's a blind a, trust account, you know, I I can't accuse them of anything. Apparently, but so there's it looks like there's a conflict of interest if you are both in control of the economy and making personal trades. Yeah, we're back to obviously. we're back to the simple phrase. It's not a good look. Yeah, so that's something I just wanted to point out real quick. I I don't want to crucify. Jerome Powell for this, but he sold around 
million to five million dollars worth of stocks. Yeah, so it's between one and five. Dur- yeah, you know, because they had to fill out disclosure forms and all that kind of stuff. And he and he did that, but they, they weren't really stocks. I mean, most of these were bonds. Most of these were bonds or ETFs. So I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world, but I agree yeah, with you. It, it's, not it's, a good look. It's not like he, so, uh, so I don't think you should be able to own securities in a specific firm. I'm not against ETFs. I'm not against even, I mean, my view would kind of be, you should probably only be allowed to do bonds, like, you know, government well, bonds. Yeah. But, but at the same time, like those are traded in the secondary market as well. So if you know yeah. what's going to happen, like, I mean, I feel like with the bond, I feel like with government bonds, especially with the leverage that you could put, yeah, that you could take on with bonds, like his decisions directly impact the price of government bonds. Absolutely. If he can buy government bonds, that it still gets to me. I, right? I agree. It's a, but, but still, it's it's not a good look. It probably 100%, we will probably 100% end up after the investigation because you have two Fed you have two Fed presidents, the Fed chair. Just, in the end, it'll probably yeah. be they will put rules in place to say, you know what, it's not well, going to fly. This is I think I think what's happening is it's not it, it's more so just the timing of it. So the markets are going down. Uh, September was obviously a bad month, and then in Jerome Powell's account, he sold some securities, which to me that's when it's like okay. Why did this happen, right? Did he call the person running his account saying like, hey, please sell these bonds, sell these ETS because of these decisions that might be being made? I mean, obviously he was not going to say that, but just just sell these. He's probably just like an unsolicited order. Hey, just sell these. So yeah, yeah maybe it was just that. Or maybe he knew something was going to happen and he was just like, yeah, you know what? I don't want any exposure to this downside anymore. So I'm going to get out of this That's, position. And, and And, you know, I can't, inherently blame them for well if you know it's going to happen i mean like dude if you bought a stock and then someone said like hey apple's going to get sued by um google like if you knew about this lawsuit you're like no screw that like apple versus google no i I want no exposure no it's it's, well i mean so like i said when you're the one making the decision and you're making trades before you announce that decision i know i I mean he he made a rational choice but it's like you would be considered an if this was a corporation he would probably be considered an insider and that's what i'm saying make it it's this way. Yeah. The investigation is warranted. Yeah. But it's still, a ra- I mean, there's no investigation. It's just, he's under fire for this. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he made a rational choice. I mean, obviously like if you bought a house and you knew that, um, that there's going to be asbestos in this land, you're going to sell it before the reports of the asbestos comes out. Same deal. I mean, obviously in this case, it's a little bit different because he knew like, I mean, he makes the decisions. Like he put the asbestos on the land, right? So, I mean, it's, it's okay, a little bit so different. I, case, I guess when I said investigation, I should say the scrutiny is warranted. The scrutiny is totally warranted. Yeah. There we are. I am going to miss Jerome Powell though, if, if, if he is forced to resign. Uh, yeah. I, I, I am going to miss him. Not necessarily because I think he's that good at his job, because I think whoever steps in to take over after him will probably be also equally good. But I'm just gonna miss all the memes about Jerome Powell. Yeah, <laughs> really gonna miss those. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I really wanted to talk about too was just the um, SEC. They're apparently forcing hedgers on Robinhood to pay a lot more implied volatility. Is my guess. I don't know that that make any sense in what I just said. Paying a lot more for it. Yeah. I don't really well, care. which makes sense because because I know that the issue is that um, SEC yeah, is upset um, about the PFOF and the gamification. Yes. Of of. Well, that specific. In app. my opinion, there's nothing wrong with payment for order flows. Uh, I don't see I, uh, nothing wrong, but there's. But what's the alternative, right? The alternative is commission. I, I agree, and I, don't, and I don't like commission. I guess what so, I meant is that the uh, the point being is that it's a it's the gamification which then drives an increase in trading, which drives course, an, an increase yes. in flows. So the question then becomes: Is okay if the main way you're making your revenue is through the order gamification. flows? Then the gamification is how you're trying to increase your revenue. Yeah, well, we need to do something that slows you down because you, and on top of that, you are adding more volatility to the market when you yeah, are creating a lot of options. Game so it's, yeah. it's not a- Yeah, and this is the thing about, so there's two things about Robinhood that I don't mind them as a company, but you know, I have my I have my share of criticisms for Robinhood, don't get me wrong, and, and you know that, but obviously, you know, the company I work for is a comp- direct competitor. But with that said, with those disclosures out of the way, Mm-hmm. My thing about Robinhood is like, yeah, the the big knock is too much of their money that they make comes from payment for order flows. But the next biggest thing is like super, super risky trades, right? And oh, yeah. if you make risky trades, the broker dealer that you're making the risky trades with 
I mean, they're looking at their chops. Oh, yeah. So between that, super complex option strategies, I think that's where most of their revenue comes from. But the thing about Robinhood is that like there's a graduation rate. So a lot of people, when they build their accounts to a certain value, if they ever do, if they build their accounts to a certain value, they end up leaving. And most of them go to like to Ameritrade, Schwab, E-Trade, um, or Tasty Trade or whatever it is. But like when it comes to more complex trading, Robinhood doesn't have a very good platform for that, in my opinion. I, I think they're I think the trading platform is like, especially for options, is terrible. Um, it's free, well, but it's terrible. So that's that's kind of my view on Robinhood. You know, I like free trading, but I don't like how dependent they are on PFOS. Yeah, it, 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 and you're it's right. Two and, things. And, it's like the one, yeah, and then, and then ways they try to hmm. drive up more order flow, right? So it's it's the yeah, they're, yeah. the SEC should. I don't mind this at all, um, but I don't want PFOS to be this thing that everybody frowns upon. At the same time. Could PFOF be improved? Absolutely. There's a lot of things intricately wrong with it. And generally speaking, retail investors end up pulling the bag. But yeah, yeah I mean, these things have- And uh, perhaps one- they, They've given you know, retail investors the, more power. The stupid adage of with power, you need to have responsibility. And with the gamification, one can say that it is not- yeah. The feeling is more like a casino than the actions of a responsible- Investor. Investor. Yeah, yeah and that's my thing. a knowledgeable investor. So it's, it's, it feels, when it feels like a game- yeah. It's really hard to then argue that this is an active scrutinizing considered transaction versus right. I'm just and that's you know, my thing is like I, I feel like every time anybody buys or sells a certain stock, it's like, do your research. Like why do you think the stock is gonna go up? You should. If you can answer if you can tell me and why the stock is gonna go up. If James, you came to me and you said, Hey, um, I like Goldman Sachs, whatever it is, I'd be like, Why do you why do you think it's gonna go up? And then you start listing off all these reasons. Merger, mergers, it's become whatever. Slimmer, fantastic revenues, yeah. a few mergers. They're overseeing an IPO, boom, boom, a major boom, firm. Boom, this, yeah, this, like, this. And okay, yeah. then Sounds okay, good. okay. You've got you've got city reasons, but the response of yeah. well, all the all financials are going up right now. That's, that's ridiculous. Not a, it's, that's, it's, it's, that's maybe a reason to get an ETF. Yeah, but it's not a reason to get to, to get exposure into one name, right? Specifically, yeah, so it's like, yes. you know, like a lot of people that are trying to play this energy squeeze, if you will. If you, I don't know if you want to call it that, but this energy spike in prices is hard people are like yeah i want to get exposed to that and they pick a random energy name it's like well, well i mean come on like what yeah. do you think is going to happen but if they you know do their research and it's like yeah no this company specifically in energy is going to do well then have at it knock yourself out but understand your downside understand your upside Absolutely. and take responsibility for your own losses if, if you do if you do lose money on a certain investment take responsibility for your losses and feel free to take credit for whatever investments yeah, you're gonna you have to take well. I mean, yeah they that were good choices. But, but yeah. really what you should do is you should, uh, no matter what you're yeah. doing, always have a game plan, always have a hedge yep. against the downside. Even if that even if that hedge is just a sell order. Trail stop, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Fair enough. It's all a hedge. So, But yeah. the greatest hedge of all is just being drunkenomical. Oh my God. I'm just going to say it. If you're not going to say it, I'm going to say no, it. I, mean, I have to be gracious I don't, I don't know what else to say after that, except for real quick, Find us on social media at John Economical, D-R-U-N-K, you know, my C-A-L, Patreon, P-A-T-R-U-N dot C-O-M slash John Economics. If you want to help us. If you want to help us keep uh, the lights on, the fridge is cold and the beer, uh, the ice frozen until we melt it, then that's the way to do it. <laughs> until we melt so it. If you want, and if you want to find merch so that you can you can dress, let everyone know that you're Drunkonomical, that you've hedged against yes. it. Find us at drunkonomics.myspreadshop.com. You can get hoodies, stickers, whatever you need to let the world know. And yes. like I said. Like chestnut checkers. And I don't know what else there is to say aside from everything that you've already said james you that was smooth i i had a moment of inspiration and most importantly you my friend even in your less gracious form were more drunk and than i was well so cheers cheers <laughs>